Excuse me, pardon me, beg your pardon. If you two kids would just stop singing for a moment, I've got something I want to discuss with you. Now, which one of you is Seymour Crowborn? I am. Oh, it's a pleasure. Boy, has your phone been busy? I've been trying to reach you for weeks. Patrick Martin, Licensing and Marketing, World Botanical Enterprises. Son, kid, boy, are we going to make a fortune together. Hello, and welcome to 80s Movie Montage. This is Derek. And this is Anna. And there is a lot of singing <laughs> in this movie. There is a lot of singing. Right out the as, gate. As what tends to happen in musicals. Yeah. And this one happens to be... It's a little shop. Of? Of plants. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> little shop of horrors. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, again, I brought it up in the last episode. I think this is our first true musical. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Where, like, the characters themselves are singing. Not just, like, like some, we've had movies where there's, like, a ton of songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would like say, Dirty Dancing and things yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Dirty Dancing is probably the closest where yeah. it's not really a musical. No. They turned it into a musical. I don't consider it a musical when Swayze just turns on the radio. No. That's not a musical. <laughs> but this if is... If he was singing She's Like the Wind... Well, he does sing. She's that is him singing that song. But it's just him playing himself singing it instead of him actually singing it. Okay, so Little Shop of Horrors... <laughs> 1986 and okay so we have a couple gentlemen credited as the writer on this movie i don't know if a lot of people are aware that i mean look it little shop of horrors is such a iconic musical and a lot of people obviously really love this movie this 1986 movie Mm -hmm. but it's actually based both the musical and this movie version of it are based on a 1960 movie yeah i had no idea i i don't know if i did either to be quite honest so that was written by charles b griffith and from his list of credits it looks like you know he did a lot of like really fun kind of horror b movie type stuff it's his middle name yeah, sure is. So some of his credits include Not of This Earth. Some of these titles are so fun. Attack of the Crab Monsters. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Undead. Mm-hmm. Ghost of the China Sea. A Bucket of Blood. A Bucket of Blood. Mm-hmm. All right. Beast from Haunted Cave. I would have preferred a the somewhere in there. <laughs> Yeah, there are like no articles in this one. If it was Beast from the Haunted Cave or the Beast well, from Haunted, either one. It is kind of funny because then you have, so I put a couple of these in because they were so similar. So we already said Ghost of the China Sea and then we have Creature from the Haunted Sea, not mm. to be confused with each other. Mm. Here's one that a lot of people are probably familiar with, Death Race 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Also, not from 2000, just so everyone no, knows. No, not at all. <laughs> Uh, this one's fun. Eat my dust. <laughs> I love that. This one is okay. Let me make sure I say it right. Doctor Huckle and Mister Hype. I love that. I love that title so much. Right, it's and great. then of his movies, there were a lot of remakes. So, Not of This Earth was remade twice. Yeah, that just that title sounds very familiar. Does it? Yeah. It didn't ring a bell, but that doesn't mean much. A bucket of blood. Death Race and Creature from the Haunted Sea all remade. Hmm. 
So this guy, yeah, he he created a lot of awesome content that people have gone on to. You know, I'm not going to lie. When you <laughs> when you started off with Attack of the, I was really excited, thinking that that was going to finish with Killer Tomatoes. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Because that would have made sense. Like, like of course, crab the monsters guy... are kind of cool. Yeah, of course they are. Of course, of course they are. <laughs> of course, it goes without saying. Yeah, the crab monsters are does. cool. <laughs> But it would have made a lot of sense to have the same person who had uh, Audrey 2 also have Killer sure. Tomatoes. okay. Just to keep the botanical theme going. Sure. Sure. I mean, a lot of it's, like, very biological. Like, like we're, a lot of these titles seem to reference, you know, flora and fauna. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping for more flora. Got it. We got a lot of fauna. So the next writer credited is the gentleman who actually directed the original film. A man oh. who, you know, a little, a little figure in the industry who goes by the name of Roger Corman. Huge, hmm. huge, 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 huge guy in the industry. So I now... Titan of the industry. Absolutely. Especially in terms of like... Um, you know, kind of campy B movies. He's really well known for working under incredibly small budgets and incredibly fast schedules. I I'm already guessing that this is going to be one of those names that I had no familiarity with until you start reading the titles, and then I realized just how prolific yes. he was. And he also, you know, gave a start to so many people in the industry. People came to work for him who went on to have their own successful careers. He is known more so, I think, as a director and producer. So I just listed some of his actual writing credits. So we have the 1954 The Fast and the Furious. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. Universal sorry. did not did not coin that. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I'm not lying. Cannot process. <laughs> uh he has so as far as this film is concerned, the reason why I have him listed, he's uncredited, but uh he has an uncredited credit for the Little Shop of Horrors from 1960. Mm. Another uncredited credit for because I love the title Dr. Heckle and Mr. Hype. Oh yeah. Frankenstein Unbound and then the TV series he was the creator of Black Scorpion. So. Okay. Okay, so finally we are getting to the gentleman who's responsible for the musical which I think really kind of infused new life into this material became hugely popular howard ashman mm. so he is credited as like musical by screenplay by so he did the musical and then he did the screenplay for this um as we talk about with our awesome guest sonia he left us far 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 too soon he passed away at just 40 years old from complications of aids mm. It's quite amazing what he was able to produce before he passed. I think we can only hope to be even a fraction, a fraction. as yeah, yeah as talented and prolific as he was. Uh, he really was a music guy. Uh, worked with Alan Menken. That's probably another name people rings a bell for. Uh, so, in terms of like the things, the other properties that you might be familiar with, he wrote for The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So he really was behind like that renaissance of Disney animated movies. 
He was a six-time Oscar nominee. He won twice. He won Best Original Song for Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid, as well as the Best Original Song, Beauty and the Beast, from Beauty and the Beast. Mm. Uh, He did get a nomination for Little Shop of Horrors, the green, mean green mother from outer space. So he was nominated. That was one of the noms, but he didn't win for that. Okay. I mean, that was a fun song. I don't really know how I would pick the best song from from this movie because they were all kind of like in the moment you know i like suddenly seymour i mean that that theme kind of like continues yeah. through the end so I, I yeah i like that one just because just the name of it suddenly seymour yeah like alliteration it. yeah it's kind of cool so this has nothing to do <laughs> nothing to do with ashman but just because we're on the topic of oscar nominations the other oscar nom that this film got very, I think, deservedly so, was for Best Visual Effects. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mr. Howard Ashman, we have a lot to be thankful for because of his contributions. Okay, moving on to director. Another, we have quite a few really familiar names that we're going to cover that we've talked about before, but they're awesome, so why not cover them again? Uh, This film was directed by Frank Oz. I've heard of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. I've seen him. I've seen him in movies. <laughs> and I've seen his movies. <laughs> yes. And one of them that we talked about last season, so that would be season two, The Dark Crystal. Yep. So, and we we have like a really good conversation about him. And if you'd like to go back to that particular episode, we encourage you to do so. Also, who can forget him as corrections officer in the Blues Brothers. <laughs> so now we are veering away. I know you love bringing that up. <laughs> we are veering away from his directing work. Yes. Frank. Okay. So Frank Oz <laughs> pretty much does everything. I mean, he directs, he produces, uh, he does voice work. He does on screen acting work. He is incredibly prolific. I'm sure he does a ton of writing and other good stuff. Um, obviously, a lot of people probably know him as the voice of Yoda. That's like his huge thing. But among his like strictly directing credits, so we do have The Dark Crystal. We have The Muppets Take Manhattan. It's a good one. It's a good one. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. What About Bob? The Indian in the Cupboard. In and Out. Bowfinger. The remake of The Stepford Wives. And Death at a Funeral. All right. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to cinematography gentleman by the name of robert painter did i say that right paint painter say it again like maybe like a painter yeah i think robert it's painter I, I think it's painter okay yeah so he largely started in the documentary world um that's kind of where he got his which makes sense because this is in fact a documentary <laughs> it's absolutely real all yeah. of it uh-huh all of it uh-huh. uh but then he transitions and knocks out some pretty incredible movies so he was the DP on Superman 2 and 3. So just a couple little films there. That's amazing. He, yeah, he did An American Werewolf in London. We both really love that movie. Not to be confused with An American oh. Werewolf in Paris. Oh, I don't even know why. I mean, I don't know, guys out there. Like, have you guys seen American Werewolf in Paris? We tried. We tried. We it can't. Is we can't go down this rabbit so hole. So bad. It's, okay. Yeah, it's a whole. We separate really episode. tried. Really did. But okay. So he did Trading Places. So this is not the first time that we have brought him up. Uh, also, Trading Places from season two. 
So if you would like to go back to that episode, we encourage you to do so. Uh, I think it's pretty cool that he shot Thriller. Yeah. Not a cool. movie, but it's like a movie. It's it, like a movie yeah. short. Um, and then, you know, he uh, collaborated again with Oz on Muppets Take Manhattan. He shot that. Mm. He did National Lampoon's European Vacation and Spies Like Us. Oh, yeah. That movie's amazing. Okay. Moving on to the composer. Music was by Miles Goodman. So... Unfortunately, another individual connected to this film who passed away far too early, he had a fatal heart attack at the age of 46. Mm. So, but again, like Ashman, you know, just amazing the contributions that these people made, even in such a short amount of time. I mean, a very impressive resume of work for the short time that he was with us. Uh, Some of these, I mean, some of these I just had to put in. He composed for Wham Bam Thank You Spaceman. What? <laughs> Isn't that so good? Love that. You got me on that one. Yeah. I, I did not see that coming. Wham Bam Thank You Spaceman. Yeah. Skate Town USA. Jinxed. Okay. Yeah. The Man Who Wasn't There. Where was he? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> He did a lot of TV movies. I kind of, that's as much as I noted that because, as I've mentioned before, very rarely is a TV movie title something that people recognize, but did a lot of those. He did Teen Wolf. That's cool. Nice. Which I've said a bazillion times we will get to at some point. It'll happen. It'll happen. But not the second one. No. No. Original, of course. He did About Last Night, La Bamba. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Canine, Problem Child, What About Bob, The Muppet, Christmas Carol, and then his last credit was Till There Was You. Hmm. Okay. So moving on to editing, we have a couple individuals. Oh, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple individuals who are credited. However, I want to clarify that when the movie first came out, it, re- it was just one editor. It yeah. wasn't this deal where sometimes they do tag team. Yeah. Um, but... As of 2022, there are two credited editors. So we'll think, get to why in a second. I mean, yeah, it's it's this director's cut thing, mm-hmm. which, you know, there are director's cuts. And then there's like, hey, how about a whole different kind of... How about a whole different story? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the original editor on this film was John Jimson. So among his credits, we have the man who finally died. Oh. <laughs> Fun, fun title. Uh, probably a little bit more of a familiar film to many, A Hard Day's Night. Yeah, I mean, people recognize those guys sure. that were in that movie. Yeah, they're, they got some notoriety. They have been credited with, with a lot, with saving the world and music and just being the best band of all time. Uh, not, Am I saving going the far? world? <laughs> know about that but I, I don't know i was just trying to get in the mind of a big beatles fan there for a second i yeah i went a little too bill and ted with it it's a little extreme but, um he cut night watch this one i think is such an interesting interesting uncredited credit he did the rough cut of star wars huh i thought that was kind of cool otherwise known as the prequels Hey-oh. oh okay a uh, little night music Whoa. a fish called wanda that's a really uh, fun movie. Yeah. So he did that. The Mighty Quinn. Circle of Friends. Have you ever seen Circle of Friends? I have not. 
I remember seeing it and man, it is, it really brings back those like teenage girl memories. Basically like, okay, so it's Mini Driver and uh, oh, what is his name? Chris. He was like, no, he was like super <laughs> dreamy back in the day. He played Robin in the really corny Batman and Chris. Robin. O'Donnell. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Chris of the Donnell. Yeah. And basically, like, she crushes hard on him, but she's, like, not conventionally pretty. And there is another girl in the picture who, it, anyway. It's Does she no consult thing. with her circle of friends on this issue? <laughs> he cut in and out. And then his final credit, Mad Cows. Okay. Okay. So, as you alluded to, so... We both discussed that there is a second editor, but to your point, it is strictly for the 2012 director's cut. So 10 years ago. Alrighty. Ugh. I, okay, so I know people who say their name is Jillian, and I do know somebody who says their name is Gillian. So, but I'm going to say Jillian. I think that's like the more common pronunciation, even with a G. Yeah, because I say Jeff, so I would just say Jillian. So Jillian L. Hutching is her name. And she has some fun credits too. So she cut Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. Oh, okay. Yeah. Come Away Home. This one is a fun title. Slightly Single in LA. Slightly Single. Yeah, Slightly Mm. Single. The Influencer. And then she is in post production, like at this moment, on the film version Bosco. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of what you were talking about with like different story it we get into it with Sonia mm. uh but yeah the original vision for the film what Frank Oz wanted what you know the writers and Frank Oz wanted was very different um spoilers but uh Audrey is mortally wounded by Audrey 2 and Seymour then feeds Audrey to Audrey 2 and then also is eaten by Audrey 2 and the world is destroyed by the alien plants that is it that's basically in a nutshell (laughs) yeah um and that did not test very well (laughs) with audiences people were super bummed Mm -hmm. it is kind of a bummer ending and i think you really are rooting for seymour and audrey so you know i have uh it's fun to watch but it it got a little crazy like we watched the the other ending and yeah seeing uh, like a, a train drive into like that was a very waiting cool giant plant mm-hmm. yeah there were cool effects but it was got crazy i mean we mentioned it like my whole thing was like oh my goodness they spent so much money on it this looked, original ending and it was real expensive scrapped it all yeah. i was like oh that's gotta hurt um it's really fun some shots like it looks like godzilla yeah you know coming through and the, the like so it looks really cool but the plants look like they're having a blast. Yeah, they're having a great time <laughs> yeah. when they're climbing the Statue of Liberty. Anyway, yeah. um, I think I probably, though, prefer a little bit of a more upbeat ending. I think we you know, when we talked about it. We're we're thinking this. They could have used some of the footage as like a glimpse into what would have happened yes. had he tried to like make the deal. And mm-hmm. mar- so it's it's too bad that they 
looked at it as like either or instead of just mm-hmm. like using a little bit of it because I think yeah, that would have been fun I, too. I think that was a great suggestion that you'd come up with. You should be a studio exec because well, it's too late now. But um, I'm sure studios would disagree. <laughs> but I think that could have been a really nice way to at least incorporate some footage. Yeah. Um, and still have the ending that ultimately we ended up with. So, okay. Moving on to the stars. Mm, yeah. Uh, at the top of the list, which I think is extremely deserved, Levi Stubbs. But not just Levi Stubbs. Levi Stubbs of the Four Tops. Yeah. Who he was amazing. Amazing. Uh, so he is the voice of Audrey 2. And when I say of the Four Tops, I think that hopefully gives you an indication of where most of his career was spent. So he is a singer, a performer. Um, so in terms of like IMDb credits, <laughs> there's not a lot, but that, that means absolutely nothing in terms of like the trajectory and success of his career because he just wasn't really like in the movie TV world. Um, but he does have a cre- like one credit I wanted to bring up. Um, he does, I mean, he is like obviously an iconic voice. And so a lot of what he is you know, pulled for his voice work. Uh, he did work on the TV series Captain and the Game Master. I yeah, yeah, it's interesting because it says that the character he played was Mother Brain, which is the uh, like the, the big boss at the end of Metroid. Which uh, I don't follow. <laughs> which was a was a game that was heavily influenced by the Alien franchise with oh, a, a oh, female mother. Yeah, a female protagonist in this game that was fighting like this alien. It, it was it, it all very much was derivative of like the alien movies, like the the things would like latch on your face. Yeah. Oh, so mother, that is yeah. uh yeah. <laughs> okay, that's very close to yeah yeah okay, but uh man could not have been more perfect casting for that particular role. So thank you Levi Stubbs for that awesome awesome performance in the movie okay moving on to somebody that we all are familiar with probably a lot of us love 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 rick moranis uh he is seymour seymour okay so his suddenly last, he's seymour his last name is crowborn so interesting last name um yeah i mean he's we, we've talked about him before he came up in our ghostbusters episode which was all the way back in season one, if you want to check that one out. But uh, an amazing career. Uh, He did take some time away for personal reasons, Mm -hmm. but he started out. Now, what is so interesting with every, almost everybody else that I'm going to bring up, a lot of them, is that they came up through either Saturday Night Live or a similar uh, like Canadian version SCTV Second City TV mm-hmm. yeah um and so he came up through Second City TV also the show both TV shows Second City TV network so I'm not really sure the difference between the two but he is credited for both uh we love him for Strange Brew which he's amazing in that that movie be, is incredible will be covered yeah. We say that about a lot of movies, but you know. Do you like beer and hockey and synth? Then you'll love that movie. And Hamlet. And fighting. Flying dogs. It's got everything. (laughs) It's got everything. 
So, yes, he is in Ghostbusters. He does return for Ghostbusters 2. He is in Brewster's Millions. Spaceballs, so good. We'll do that one as well. Dark Helmet. Mm Mm-hmm. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, as well as its sequel. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Uh, He does Parenthood. That's another one we could do. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. My Blue Heaven. I think I've brought this up before. So... We've, for probably for John Goodman, um, brought up the film The Flintstones. <laughs> yeah. And for, I swear, yeah. until probably that time we did bring it up for John Goodman, I always thought it was like The Flintstones. Obviously, it makes total sense why it's The Flint. Oh, yeah. Stones, but I just, I don't know if that's like a, I just dropped the T. Like uh, Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, it's The Flint Stones. Didn't know that for... I passed by that poster up on the wall almost every day at work but did I... you know that anyway that it was the flintstones yeah yeah okay <laughs> i did not he was in little giants and then uh some of his voice work so he voices on brother bear and then that film kind of created a franchise and so he came back for other brother bear projects and thankfully, he is, I mean, obviously these projects can go whichever way, but he's listed as attached to Shrunk. So probably a long-awaited another sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So they decided to just shorten the title and they went with I, Shrunk. I like it. I don't mind it. I like it a whole lot better than just naming every movie Halloween or every movie Scream, and you don't know what movie people are talking about. I mean, neither of those would have made any sense here, but I... (laughs) Like, just come up with a different title, people. I'm so tired. They could have just gone with Honey Eye Ellipsis. So hopefully we will get shrunk sometime soon. So that's Rick Moranis. Okay, so moving on to kind of... Is she the only woman I have? No, that's not true. But, like, as far as, like, cast members um, who are not part of the... Like, basically, we have Ellen Green as Audrey, and then we have the amazing female uh, chorus. But that's kind of it, I think, for female characters in Mm. this film. But in any case, we have the lovely Ellen Green... uh, a very eclectic but fun list of credits for her. Among them, we have, and I think I've brought this up before. I'm dancing as fast as I can. Yeah, you have. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's tough to forget that one. So we have that. We have talk radio. She was in Pump Up the Volume. I remember mm. that being like so edgy with Christian Slater. Yeah. Like so cool. Yeah. <laughs> He was pretty damn cool. He's so cool. Yeah. She was in Stepping Out, Fathers and Sons. She was in Naked Gun 33 and a Third, The Final Insult, Wagons East, One Fine Day. And then she pivots over to television. She was on the TV series Out of Jimmy's Head, Pushing Daisies. She uh, did a stint on the soap opera The Young and the Restless. That's interesting. That is cool. And then the film, The Untold Story. And I mean, as far as her contribution to this film, you know, we talk about, obviously, we talk about her with Sonia. And, um, 
you know, I think she was the right fit. Obviously, I think we all have certain opinions about her voice. Um, but Indeed. Yeah, but I think that um, especially I'm so impressed when they do the musical numbers when she's really given a chance to belt it out. Yeah, it's hella impressive. I mean, I gotta, I have to assume that for the voice, they that was a hundred percent intentional, and she was doing exactly what they were asking of her. Mm-hmm. You know, I like it wasn't my preference, but you could tell just how different it was when she, you know, as you say, would start belting it out. You're like, oh wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then if we go back to just the, it's it's one of the rare musicals where I'm like, can we just get back to the singing, please? <laughs> Okay, moving on to another familiar face, Vincent Gardenia. Uh, he plays Mr. Mushnick, uh, the owner of the flower shop or yeah. plant shop, flower shop. Love and, this guy. Oh, love him. I mean, we, I think, both fell in love with him <laughs> when we, he I mean, was, I already yeah. was in love with him because I was familiar with Moonstruck. And I'm so, so glad that you loved that movie so much. In the first few minutes, like, as soon as you see him, I'm like, whew. How have I never uh, known about this guy? This yeah. guy's amazing. He's am- he is. He wa- was. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. But amazing, amazing actor. Um, you know, Moonstruck was, I don't know, about halfway through last season. So you're welcome to go back to that episode to hear our thoughts on him there. But I will quickly go through some of his credits. He uh, early, like, I mean, by the time he was working on Moonstruck, he already had been in the industry for quite a while. So to give, like, some context for that, you know, all the way back in 1958, he was in the movie Cop Hater. Oh. Yeah. I know, right? He was in The Hustler. He actually got, okay, so he did get an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor for Moonstruck. He should have won in my opinion, but Absolutely. not his only nomination. He also was nominated, again, for Best Supporting Actor for Bang the Drum Slowly. He was on the TV show On the Family, the movies Death Wish, Death Wish 2, Heaven Can Wait, the TV show Breaking Away, mm-hmm. uh, already covered Moonstruck. He was also on L.A. Law. His final credit was already in 1991. So, you know, it wasn't too long after Moonstruck. Um, the Super. Okay. And then, you know, I am I am heavily condensing down his list of credits because he just did a ton of TV work in terms of either like one-off appearances or like kind of short recurring roles on different shows. A lot. A lot, a lot. So, Okay. We're moving on to Steve Martin, who plays the really sadistic dentist, Orin uh, Scrivello, DDS. Uh, no, yeah, DDS. I said that right. Yeah, whoever made this, just I love how much they must have hated going to the dentist. I know. It, it is it a really, fun— It really comes through. It is a really fun— little detail of that and it's not a little detail but like it's like dexter almost like mm -hmm. this is what you're meant to do yeah you love inflicting pain my son you must become a dentist (laughs) so we have covered him uh was that season i think it was early in season two yep early in season two we did we did dead men don't wear plaid Mm -hmm. so you can head on over i mean this this episode i think might hold the record at the moment for having people 
included on this project who we've already covered in other episodes because i think this is like like what the fifth time i bring up brought up another episode of ours there will be at least one more yes there will be a couple more so you can head over to dead men don't wear plaid if you would like otherwise let me go through some of his creds i mean he's just an icon at this point i mean he's still working uh i had to add to his credit list since the last time we talked about him because he is working but oh yeah that uh the show on hulu no i think, I think it's else. hbo but i know but yes we will get to that but among some of his credits very early work on the tv show the sunny and share comedy hour he was in sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band man that's kind of a really? mouthful yeah wow the muppet movie and then we get into some of the ones where he's, like, leading in it. The Jerk, uh, already covered, Demon, Don't Wear Plaid, The Man with Two Brains, All of Me, Three Amigos, Roxanne, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I mean, just, like, heavy hitter, huge, huge hits with all these movies. Dirty Round Scoundrels, he also was in Parenthood, My Blue Heaven, L.A. Story. He did the remake of Father of the Bride. Comes back for that sequel, Leap of Faith, Mixed Nuts, Bowfinger. He does Cheaper by the Dozen, comes back for that sequel. Uh, Shop Girl, which I believe he also wrote. I think it was a book, actually, that he Hmm. did. Yeah, a novella, maybe. He is the Pink Panther remake of. Yeah. 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 Comes back for that sequel. However, outside of his extensive film work... I mean, a ton of people just know him in his much earlier days from Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. as I mentioned he earlier. He was a uh, wild and crazy guy. Wild and crazy guy. Um, yeah, and he's come back, I think, to host for, like, cameos. So he's ta- he stayed associated with um, SNL. So. I've never seen him without uh, his silver hair. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I don't know how far back. Like, how, how far do I have to go to see him? I don't know. I don't know if I've seen him with, yeah. He also, oh, and before I forget, so the show that I think you were referencing was Only Murders in the Building? Yes, that was it. Yeah. That's on HBO? I think, I don't know. It's on TV. <laughs> I don't want people coming down on me. Available for streaming. Um. Also, just as like a side note, he does a really awesome Masterclass series. I really enjoyed watching that with him. He's very, very good. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to our trio of amazing actresses who comprise this, like, Greek chorus that is part of the movie. I mean... Right from the get-go. Opening credits. Yes. And all three of them are super awesome. They are really fun because they do, like, they kind of switch off mostly. They are in these roles of the Greek chorus, but then occasionally they, like come out of that to be these like kind of young teens who are kind of like raucous living in the same neighborhood um uh, hands down have the most awesome outfits throughout the movie i feel like they have like five outfit changes before we even see rick moranis yeah they're awesome so okay so among the first of them we have sheena arnold who is okay so what i think is so cool about all three of them is that their names i don't know if you ever hear their names but all of their names are inspired by like female groups from the 60s 
So oh. we have Crystal okay. from the Crystals, Ronette from the Ronettes, mm-hmm. and Chiffon from the Chiffon. So really fun. So Arnold plays Crystal. And among her work, uh, a lot of TV work. Uh, she has done amazingly well in television. So some of her early work, Ryan, she was on Ryan's Hope. Uh, she was in the film How I Got Into College. She does more soap opera work, All My Children. She then has a very long stint on the TV show Martin. So that's maybe where most people know her from. Okay. She was in the film Big Mama's House. She comes back to television for one-on-one. She's in the film Drillbit Taylor. And then more just huge TV hits. She was on Everybody Hates Chris, Happily Divorced, Survivor's Remorse, and more recently, The Neighborhood. Okay. But very familiar face in television, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to Michelle Weeks, who plays Ronette. So... Of the Ronettes? Yeah. Well, like, inspired by the Ronettes. Gotcha. Yeah. Um... Now, her list of credits is not as extensive. I think she's more so in the music world. So, again, it doesn't infer anything that the credits aren't there. But among between this and then she was in a TV movie called Norman's Corner. Yeah, she's got some soundtrack credits, which leads me to believe that, yes, it's just she was brought into this more for the musical talent. And she's just doing music. Exactly. All right. So, last, another really familiar name and familiar face, Tisha Campbell. So, she's Chiffon. And From the Chiffons. Inspired by. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, among her, like, really early work, uh, she was on the TV series Rags to Riches. And then she does a series of really uh, popular films. So, she's in School Days. House Party 1, 2, and 3. Okay. Another 48 Hours. Boomerang. Hmm. So she reunites with Arnold because she is, I would say, probably the female lead in Martin. So she's also in that show. So that's maybe where a lot of people know her from as well. Then she switches off to another hugely successful TV show, My Wife and Kids. She reunites again with Arnold. I put this in because, like, they must just be friends. Like, I feel like at this point they worked on, like, several projects together. She had a short recording role on Everybody Hates Chris. And then uh, some more of her TV work. So both her and Arnold just, like, amazingly successful in that medium. She was on the show Rita Rocks, The Protector, Dr. Ken, Mm. Outmatched, and Inside Job. All right. Okay. Moving on to uh, character of Patrick Martin, who is played by Jim Belushi. He's not in this much. No. I mean, they do get a lot of, like, we're going to have a couple more coming up, uh, great cameos. I mean, he's the gentleman who really wants to make Audrey 2 a product that every home has. Uh, which obviously, from what we've talked about, could have had catastrophic results. Sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. Don't do it. And now Jim Belushi, uh, brother to John Belushi. Mm -hmm. I think, though, this is the first time we've covered Jim. I think it is. Oh, well, he he probably wasn't brought up. He does have like a bit part in Trading Places, but I'm not sure if we brought him up. 
I don't think we did. Yeah. So he's had a long, long, uh, successful career. A lot of well, actually going back and forth between TV and film. So among some of his earlier work, the TV show Working Stiffs, TV show Who's Watching the Kids. We mentioned Trading Places. We have. He also was on Saturday Night Live. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I don't think I realized that. Okay. I don't think it was in the same way that his brother was. I don't really like, I, I don't want to compare the two. I don't want it to be like a competition between, yeah. you know, their careers. But uh, he was in The Man with One Red Shoe, About Last Night, Jumpin' Jack Flash, Canine, Mr. Destiny, Only the Lonely, Curly Sue, Last Action Hero, Canadian. Man, that, ba- movie's, that movie is a lot of fun. Less action hero? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's ridiculous, but a lot of fun. Canadian Bacon. He does voice work for Mighty Ducks, the animated series. Oh. Yeah. TV show. And then, okay, so then he gets his own he gets his own show. It's actually called According to Jim. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> so yeah. has his own show for quite a while. <laughs> And then he was in that like reboot, that short reboot of Twin Peaks. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then just even beyond everything I've already listed, just a lot of other TV work. So he's had an amazing career. Um, has yeah, he's done, done a ton. He's done a ton. Yeah. I think he also has a pot farm. And he also was in a film titled The Secret Lives of Dorks. I like it. Yeah. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Moving on to another amazing individual, Mr. John Candy. He plays Wink Wickelson. Am I saying I feel like it's hard to say that. Wink Wickle Wink. You say it. Well, look, I think we've invested <laughs> more time in trying to figure you're out just, the name of the character. You're not going to say it. Than, than they actually gave him screen time. Yeah, I kind of feel like he was underused. So I'm not going to even try. I'm not going to try to get through okay, his name. Okay, nice circumventing the they, attempt. They didn't but... try to, to use him to his fullest. Yeah, so I would have go. liked to have seen more of him. <laughs> but in any case, we have for him now, I mean, look, I had to bring him up because he is such a huge cameo. He doesn't have a lot of screen time in this movie. Yeah. But like, let's let's quickly, and we've brought him up, uh, well, we've brought him up for the Blues Brothers. But if, he you, has if, more. if you insist, Wink Wilkinson. Oh, good job. I couldn't I, I, I couldn't do as well. I really I really uh, bought some time there to figure it out. You did good. <laughs> you did good. So also was part of SCTV as well as the S, uh, SCTV network. Now does just I think almost yeah, everything that I've listed for him all film work. He pivots into film pretty solidly. So 1941, The Blues Brothers, which does like, he is mentioned in that episode. So, yet another episode where we've covered mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Um, that also was early in season two, if you want to go back to that. He was in Stripes. We'll do that for sure. Well, we'll do probably a lot of these at some point. I think so. Stripes. National Lampoon's Vacation. Yep. Splash. That's, I think I've brought that up before. Hands down my favorite role of his. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I adore him in Splash. Brewster's Millions, also in that. Summer Rental, Volunteers, also in Spaceballs, mm-hmm. also in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So a lot of these comedic actors are working on multiple projects together. The Great Outdoors, Who's Harry Crumb, Uncle Buck, Home Alone, kind of a departure from his normal work, JFK. Okay. 
cool runnings and then as with several other individuals that we've talked about who were attached to this project left us far too soon and his final credit was canadian bacon okay we got two more and ending with like two more (laughs) heavy hitters heavy heavy hitters this movie is stacked yeah it is that is a perfect way of putting it okay christopher guest who is credited as simply the first customer he's hilarious as the first customer like it's so it's it's very much a it's a perfect christopher guest role he really is like this weird kind of robotic happy like pleasantville type character it's interesting that they brought him in for this but yeah he does a lot in a little bit of time so Again, somebody that we've talked about a couple times at oh, this yeah. point. So he is in, I mean, just does an incredible performance in one of my favorite movies. This is Spinal Tap. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was last season, season two. You can go to that episode. He's also in The Princess Bride. That was season one. So you have a couple opportunities if you want to hear us talk about him there. Okay, so some of his credits. He also was on Saturday Night Live. All these people. All these people are attached to these like different properties. Mm, I wonder if the last person we reference <laughs> will also be on SNL. <laughs> Perhaps. Okay. Yeah. So he that's some of his early work. Um, just like JFK for John Candy, a little bit of a departure for him. He's in A Few Good Men. I think it's because yeah. he's friends with <laughs> Rob Reiner, who also he- directed that movie. His character in A Few Good Men, same energy as first customer in Little Shop of Horrors. He's very like, I, yeah. You I, think I, that's the same energy? I do. I do. I think I think the guy that bought those plants went through a lot and then he like kind of switched up careers and he ended up in that same same universe. I think Little Shop of Horrors and A Few Good Men are same, the same universe. universe. Yep. <laughs> Okay, yep. oh, that is a hot take. <laughs> hot take. I'm not gonna even. We're we're just what gonna I'm here for. keep moving along. <laughs> so then, okay, look. So this is Spinal Tap. Probably puts on the map this idea of mockumentaries. Yeah, as like kind of its own genre, and then he really goes full steam ahead with that and is wildly successful doing so. So he is the creative genius. I think that's a a, a fair word to use in this case. That is for, appropriate. Yeah, right? For these following films, Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, For Your Consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, coming a little bit later is Mascots. In between all of those different mockumentaries, we have uh, him making an appearance in Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, as well as The Invention of Lying. And just like a lot of these guys and gals, a lot of TV appearances. So, okay. We are ending with, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have so many credits for it. Bill Murray. (laughs) Bill Murray, who plays Arthur Denton. How would you describe him in this film? I would describe him as the worst possible patient for Steve Martin. Because we learn that Steve Martin just doesn't want to inflict pain on people. He wants them to not like that pain. And then Bill Murray comes in, like, seeking it out. 
And it's the it's the best moment with Steve Martin's character where he's just so disgusted. <laughs> Get, Get out, out of here. here. <laughs> You're not supposed to enjoy this. Get out. So uh, he's so giddy. Like he's so giddy, like waiting in yeah. the in the oh, like he's super room. stoked. Yeah. yeah. Super stoked for the pain. Can't wait. Okay. So he has just as with many of these people come up multiple times for us. Uh, he was in Tootsie, which we talked about. I think that was the first episode of season two. Mm. So you can go back to that one. Obviously, he was in Ghostbusters. Um, that was season one. And Scrooge. We, so he maybe holds the record at this point for being the person we've talked about the most in other episodes. So Scrooge was, I think, uh, tail end of season one. So you can go to that one. Okay. I just have a crazy amount of credits for this guy. So I'll shoot through them since we have talked about him a couple times. Um, Meatballs. Love that movie. Oh, yeah. Caddyshack. That will happen at some point on this podcast. Uh, Stripes. So he also was in Stripes with John Candy. So we've covered him possibly the most, and we will cover him much more. Much, much more. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as mentioned, Tootsie, he did Ghostbusters. He comes back for that sequel. Scrooged. What about Bob? Groundhog Day. Mad Dog and Glory. Edward. Kingpin. Space Jam. I actually really love his performance in Wild Things. He's really fun okay. in that. And I think that kind of begins to show the shift in his career because um, right on the tail end of Wild Things, he does Rushmore. Which I think really kind of got people to look at him as more than just kind of your broad comedy type actor. I mean, I guess maybe you get a little bit that in Groundhog Day. I don't think Day, I realized but... he was in Wild Things. Oh, he's so good in it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people kind of are like Kevin Bacon is another one who plays somebody you would not expect that character mm. uh, like coming from that actor. Anyway. So we have Wild Things, Rushmore, Charlie's Angels. He's amazing in the Royal Tenenbaums. Smaller role, but... And then, yes, so basically, like, this is where he really kicks off this uh, still ongoing collaboration with Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. Um, He, in the meantime, gets his one and only Oscar nom for Best Actor in Lost in Translation, Sofia Coppola's Mm. Lost in Translation. He comes back to collaborate with Anderson on... The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. The Darjeeling Limited. Thank you. No worries. He does Zombieland, comes back for that sequel, Double Tap. He does a voice in the Fantastic... Oh, no, it's not the... It's just Fantastic Mr. Fox. So good. Moonrise Kingdom. Hyde Park on Hudson. The Grand Budapest Hotel. St. Vincent. He has a little cameo in the 2016 Ghostbusters, which is not as bad as everybody thinks it is. (laughs) Okay. We still haven't seen it, though. What? The 2016. Oh, I was thinking of the afterlife. I know. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, I agree with what you said. It's not as bad as everyone said it was. (laughs) I thought you were saying that about the uh, the 2021 afterlife. No, that is the last credit I have for Holding out. Okay. Well, the, yeah. the only one I want to give uh, a shout out to is uh, rumored in post production. The title is is kind of fun. The greatest beer run ever. Oh, okay. Sure. I Sounds do like actually TV. have a couple more credits for him. Okay. I know. I went. I went okay. overboard. Okay. I went overboard. I just did. Um, 
as we have mentioned with virtually everybody in front of the camera for this film, obviously uh, gets his big start on Saturday Night Live SNL. So uh, does another voice for Anderson in Isle of Dogs. Unfortunately, in a movie that like maybe the one movie I do not like uh, that he happens to be in The Dead Don't Die. Oh, man. Sorry. Not good. Woo. Not good. I wanted that movie to be good. And well, it's not. It was not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The French Dispatch, which just came out last year. And then to your point, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Okay. Film synopsis. Hmm. What do we got? A nerdy florist finds his chance for success and romance with the help of a giant man-eating plant who demands to be fed. Yeah, that's knocks it out of the park. Rock solid. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. To whoever came up this with that This is not synopsis. rocket scientist. No. This is not rocket was... scientist? That, is that what I said? <laughs> and I didn't even correct you. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> rocket science. Rocket science, rocket scientists. It's all. It's it's not rocket science, and we are not rocket Seymour scientists. Seymour is not a rock, rocket scientist. Yeah, yeah. It all. We we all understand each other. It's all fine. I can't believe I'm throwing shade at the uh, people writing these synopses mm-hmm. when I literally cannot say a word. You do great. <laughs> you do great, Derek. We'll edit all this out, meaning we won't. <laughs> So on that note, let's get into it with our guest, Sonia. Let's do it. All right. I am so excited to finally have on the show a truly fantastic filmmaker. I met her through the Film Fest circuit, and I'm just like so stoked because I got to see her work. And through that connection, she's become also just a really awesome friend. We have with us today, Sonia Gamuchian. Sonia, thank you so much for being with us. My loves, thank you for inviting <laughs> me. I, I Truly, I'm so excited. I was telling all my friends about it this week. They're like, ooh, podcast. I'm like, I know. This is my first ever <laughs> My podcast virginity, so thank you for taking it. <laughs> I love this. I mean, we've had a couple people who are brand new to doing podcasts, and I have found that, I mean, look, all of our guests are super awesome, but when you have somebody who's just kind of new to this platform, <laughs> it's just like super like fresh and off the cuff, <laughs> and ultimately, you have great conversations. Fun, yeah. yeah. And this yeah. film in particular super excited to talk about with you. So we're going to jump in. Yes. Okay. So my first question that I normally have, really the only thing I ever have scripted here is, do you happen to have, and there's no right or wrong, but do you happen to have a first memory or a first impression of when you initially saw Little Shop of Horrors? I do, because it was quite recently, believe it or not. Oh, okay. Yes, I, I love this film, but uh, I watched it for the first ever time like two years ago, and um, I watched it with my mom as an adult. I, I was not one of those like, oh, I have so many memories of it when I was a kid. No, I just thought, you know what? I really like the creative team behind it, because they've done mm-hmm. other stuff since then, yeah. which we'll get into. Yeah. So for me, I was like, oh, well, I'm a huge fan of like Howard Ashman, so why don't I just see like what his early work was and how it influenced the stuff that he did later for Disney? Then I, I put it in, and um, yeah, it was very recent. So I do remember it like it was yesterday. It basically was. 
And was it some because yeah, there's like so so much to cover here, but like yeah. what I mean, was it fun for you? Was it something that you were like, oh yeah, now I'm glad that I finally got to see this movie? I mean yes. okay. Yeah. It was very much like, oh, that's what all those references were. Like I, mm. I knew all the songs from it, like, oh, suddenly Seymour. Mm-hmm. Now I see mm-hmm. why that song's a thing. And then one of my favorite songs ever, uh, like for musical theater, Somewhere That's Green, when Audrey's okay. like singing about fantasizing about Seymour. Um, and I knew that from other references. Now that I'm watching the film, I'm like, oh, right. N- now these songs make sense. <laughs> for years, they've been in my brain. Now I understand why. <laughs> I love when that happens yeah. because I think that's like common for all of us. Like, you just are not going to ever be able to catch a movie when it's like Kurt in the zeitgeist. And so you like just after the fact kind of are always aware of certain references. There's a family guy reference. Yes. That was what I I was exactly going to bring that up when, (laughs) when the, the, the pedophile neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. When (laughs) Herbert, they did a whole bit that he's fantasizing about Chris Griffin and he's dressed up like Audrey is. and, And Chris is like the dad. Oh God. So so funny. Um, I did not get that reference at all watching Family Guy because when I think of my first time watching Little Shop of Horrors, it feels like it was yesterday because it was <laughs> yesterday. This is brand new for Derek. Yeah. Great. You and me both. <laughs> this is brand new for Derek. And uh, I mean, it for me, especially, and this happens a lot. I mean, we mm-hmm. have like certain like together and individually favorites, you know, some movies we've seen at a hundred times and then films that like again we're talking about movies that are between you know 30 ish to 40 ish years old Mm -hmm. so sometimes it's like well yeah no i know i've seen the movie but it's been a a decade or something or something and so that's for me what this movie was but i'm really curious because you mentioned howard ashman and Mm -hmm. understanding some of the musical references Mm -hmm. and so are you a musical person is that like a genre you really enjoy sure i I am you know i'm not one of those like i know everything that's ever been written by andrew lloyd webber like no i'm not one of those that's preferable that's preferable (laughs) that you're not (laughs) yeah they're really annoying those people but you know I, i have my favorites i have the songs i love you know um yeah, I mean, I know what I know, and I'll sing along, and it's super fun, and I like singing, so it works out great for everyone involved here. So, because I mean, I think that I probably know the answer to this, but because yeah. this was a legitimate musical mm-hmm. before it was readapted into a film, and you knew some mm-hmm. of the song references, like, mm-hmm. were you familiar at all with the musical version of it? Not at all. Okay. Uh, it was one okay. of those, like, I watched it, and then I did my research on what the musical was and how Got it was it. different. And yeah. there was this whole thing, which I am, I'm so glad that I did my last-minute research yesterday in, prepar- in preparation for this. Because <laughs> I've only seen the movie with that one ending. Yeah, yes. I did not know there were two endings. So I'm, I'm just, like, reading the plot again. I'm like, wait, I did not see that. What? Like, did I miss something? Like, It's so wild. We, yeah, it was, we- it, yeah. <laughs> It's and and you know what we're talking about like if we were talking about the latest Spider-Man movie I'd try to refrain on spoilers but we're talking about a movie that's like 35 years old so we can yeah. like jump to the ending <laughs> and yeah. there there are no spoiler alerts on this for these movies mm-hmm. and okay so to your point if people out there aren't familiar um the original and like really what was supposed to be the original ending does align with what the musical has. And it's yeah. very dark. I mean, this already is a dark movie, <laughs> but it's very dark. And that 
uh, all the, you know, Audrey 2 plants, they do grow in popularity. They do become monetized. People mm-hmm. are literally buying them across the world, which allows these outer space monsters to take over the mm-hmm. world. World domination. World domination. And yeah. so the original ending, uh, it's like they're like kind of Godzilla's going through yeah. New yeah. York City and Oh, the shot where the train just goes into one of them. That actually is a great <laughs> shot. Amazing. Yeah. Um and we were well, it's funny because the one thing Derek and I kept saying as we were watching this, you know, original ending was like, wow, they spent so much money on this <laughs> ending that they did not use. Um and then that is like the big kind of like to your point, Sonia, world domination point. But then also Audrey the actual female lead in this film, she does die. Sorry, yes, guys. Yeah. They both do. Um, yeah. 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 And, you know, she literally gets fed to Audrey, too. Mm. Um, so that is an ending that did not uh, play well no. for screening audiences. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I get it. I get it. Uh, and so they went back to the drawing board and revise the ending to reflect this much happier upbeat you know there's like the little hint the hint of yeah there's a little shot of the little alien creature thingy in their garden like exactly yeah so that is what they went with and that is what probably most people know as the Mm -hmm. ending yeah i'm good like look we're all good with uh the alien plants killing a bunch of people and steve martin being the most evil dentist in the world (laughs) but i'm drawing the line at this plant eating audrey I know. That's where you draw the line. Well, so Sonia, for you, now that you've seen both versions, like, Mm. do you have a preference? Do you think that they made the right call? Absolutely have a preference. Um, World domination, baby. (laughs) What can I say? (laughs) That shot, the Planet of the Apes with the with the Statue of Liberty, like. You know, that's the original vision. And what I like to sometimes tragic endings are great. Lim is probably my favorite musical for mm, this reason alone. Mm-hmm. Like when Audrey, she's singing, she's like somewhere that's green. Well, yeah. she did end up somewhere that was green, just in a different way. And I like that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, you got what you wanted in a way. Um, and it also just like speaks to like, we were, my mom and I were watching it in 2020 and it was right before the election. Okay. The good one, you know. The, the good, good one. The good yep. results. <laughs> totally agree. Yep. Yeah. And it just felt relevant. I, I feel mm. like there's a lot of smart things to say about like the world domination ending. But I, I don't know what the smart things are, but all I can say is it felt relevant. <laughs> it was like, this seems like America. <laughs> yep. No, I totally agree with you. I mean, not to get too far off of this specific film, but I, I am yeah. wondering, where do you usually fall? Because, look, it is such a common thing. And obviously, it was even common in the mid-80s to have mm-hmm. screening audiences. And they have a certain degree of power, obviously, mm-hmm. because they forced the filmmakers to change the ending of this film and give a really different conclusion to it. So mm-hmm. how do you feel about using audiences for that purpose? Um, I think it made sense at the time and they yeah. probably made a lot more money than they yeah. would have otherwise if they didn't sure. change it. Um, I think I read somewhere that uh, the director, Frank Oz, mm-hmm. when they were doing the, the the screenings and stuff, you know, they just couldn't rack their brain around why. Like, this is the original musical. Why does mm-hmm. it work on the stage and not on a film? And one of their theories was that, well, 
on a stage, yeah, you see Audrey eaten by the plant, you see everyone die, but at the very end, the actors come back on stage, oh, yeah. give their bows, so, oh, you see that they're okay, and it's fine, and you still leave the theater happy. In a film, you don't see them after that, that's it, they're, they, yeah. they're eaten, they're digested, and that's it. So that was one of their theories as to why that worked on the stage and not and not the film. And, you know, I will say with films, though, like sometimes a nice happy ending is all you need. Like, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I mean, I'm older now, so obviously I'm going to go like world domination. Havoc, <laughs> route. It just makes more sense to me. But yeah, if I watch it as a kid, of course, I'm going to like it where they're living happily in that nice suburban house. Like, yeah. Yeah, sure. So they they did everything right. I'm glad that both endings are out there. So Sonia, one thing that you mentioned like right at the start of our conversation is part of the reason why you're interested in this film is because of the creative team behind Mm -hmm. it. And we like, I think the name Frank Oz has already popped up. But Mm -hmm. so curious, what has been your... Your feelings on him and the rest of the creative team behind this, like, have you been a fan of his work prior to seeing Little Shop of Horrors? Yeah, Frank Oz, I mean, he's a, he's the Muppet guy. So, yeah. you know, we know him from that, adorable man. But I will say, no, this film was not watched for Mr. <laughs> Oz. He's oh, great. Okay. We love him. It was it was watched Hash- for Ashman. Howard Ashman and Alan Menken. So I'm sure with your little spiel you did at the beginning, like it'll make sense what I say now. But sometimes <laughs> when I say Little Shop of Horrors is the precursor to The Little Mermaid, it doesn't really make any sense. Because oh. why would it? But it is. <laughs> it is, um, yeah. It is. It absolutely is. Because it, it just shows the early career. So Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, they're two Disney legends. Mm-hmm. Um Responsible for the Disney Renaissance, arguably, arguably responsible for like the resurgence of the animation studios. Why we all Absolutely. love Disney today, right? Yep. Um, and they, yeah, they're the musical writing duo. Howard he does the lyrics and the book, and Alan does the music, and together just, mwah, you know, it's like yep. Rogers and Hammerstein, Steinstein, uh, but in the twenty first, or no. We're gonna we're gonna take that back. I've been saying 20th century. <laughs> That's well, okay. Was, Time has no meaning anymore. Time has no meaning. <laughs> yeah. So so Howard and Alan has been this like amazing partnership that like literally changed like film and media the way we see it. And of course, if you're born in the nineties like I am, like, yeah, we all know part of your world. Like it's just like you know, it's everything. <laughs> you know, what can I say? So of course when I you know, started learning about like what the film industry was. I was a teenager and I was watching these like bonus footage behind the scenes of these Disney movies. And then these two people kept popping up and then Howard Ashman, I'm like, Oh, this guy's a genius. And then I'm like, Oh, he died. That really sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me just look at all the work he did like while he was alive. And um, I highly, highly recommend watching the documentary Howard on Disney. Oh, thank you for that. Yep, and guess what? They actually go in to Little Shop of Horrors in the documentary and the way in which that he came up with it. Uh, this all started because um, Howard Ashman and he had like a little like a playwright, um, like a theater playwriting mm-hmm. entourage, and they rented this little black box theater like off, off, off Broadway. That's how this musical came to be. And they had some other like minor successes before then for other plays they adapted. But it it didn't really stick the way Howard wanted them to. So he's like, the next film or the next musical that I make is going to be inspired by this film I saw, the original 1960 Mm -hmm. film Shop of Horrors. Hmm. And the reason he remembered it is because 
he's like that plant was just hilarious it was like a silly simple story but that gimmick that plant was the reason why your eyes kept watching the screen so he's like i'm gonna make a play with that goddamn plant in the middle so no (laughs) one can take their eyes off of it that's the gimmick and that's gonna keep people's attention so they can't look away so that's how the musical came to be um and then from there you know just the musical stylings escalated and and the rest was history but yeah, the, the whole thing, I mean, the writing is there and, and it and it's very, like the film I thought was pretty successful in terms of adapting it properly. And I don't think they changed much and they had like most mm-hmm. of the actors in there. Like it very much, because when you were like, oh, have you, you know, how does it hold up compared to the musical from what I understand very mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. you know? But I mean, of course I never saw the musical right. as a stage play, but I think very well. Seemed very true to it, Yeah. Well, first of all, like you just brought up so much amazing information (laughs) and it was so well said. So thank you for that like trip down how this all came to be. Mm. And the first thing I want to say, actually, and I know you weren't in any way intentionally trying to call me out, but I'm really glad you did because (laughs) no, no, seriously, because my assumption when you first said creative team at the top of the conversation, I did the thing that I hate that other people do, which is immediately go to the director. Oh. And and so that's Shame. why I had Yeah, no, exactly. That's and so that's why I had asked about Frank Oz. Oh. And I'm so glad that you're like, no, no, no. This is who I was referring to. <laughs> and because I always get on my pedestal or soapbox or whatever about acknowledging other people beyond the director for their contributions to a film. So I'm I'm just like stoked that you did that. And yeah. Yeah. and you're absolutely right. And yeah, for for people who maybe aren't aware, I mean, first of all, I wholeheartedly agree with your take on you know Ashman and Mankin being behind the resurgence of the Disney film mm-hmm. absolutely cracked I mean these are the guys you know for people who maybe aren't super familiar they are the guys behind Little Mermaid yeah. um Beauty and the Beast, Beauty and the Beast Aladdin. And Aladdin yeah yeah so before Ashman um to your point Sonia uh mm-hmm. passed away very very young unfortunately yeah yeah 40 years old. Um, Crazy. So, which, my goodness, like, if oh, we can only hope to wish to leave mm-hmm. such an impact in yeah. such a short amount of time, you know? Um, it's crazy. I mean, the amount, the library of what he's contributed yeah. to the zeitgeist that's going to be, like, living on essentially forever, mm-hmm. you know, is, I mean, if we were all so lucky. But um, just to go back to the documentary again, because sure. <laughs> Howard Ashman, fangirl over here. Um <laughs> um he there was a point where he uh, knew he was dying Mm -hmm. but he uh went to disneyland they were doing some press uh for the little mermaid and he saw some of the floats come by and he started crying and he realized that was the moment he realized that it's gonna live on and then yeah he may die but and he just knew like this is gonna be big he just knew it he never got to see the full extent of the success but it's like like could you imagine it's like 2022 like people are still like yeah. The franchise, it's not even a franchise, I don't even want to call it a franchise, it's just the story that, right. that he put forward. And then even Little Shop, like, there's so many, like, a whole catalog of things that he, like, forever changed the zeitgeist with mm-hmm. in, like, so many ways that you can't even, like, fathom. Um, so, yes, uh, great, great career. And he got his Oscar mm-hmm. posthumously, posthumous? Mm-hmm. Posthumously. 
posthumously <laughs> for Beauty and the Beast. So there we go. Yeah, yeah, no. And, you know, the thing that I think is really interesting is, you know, when you think about the work he did for Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I love dark, funny stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think this certainly qualifies. But then when you do think about what he went on to do with Little Mermaid mm. and, and just kind of like the the straight up Disney style. Mm-hmm. But those were like back when the Disney, even the Disney animated musical movies still had a darker tone compared to sure. what they might have now. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I would agree Agreed. with that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, of course, there's all these like uh, conspiracy theories about other meanings that you can sure. extract oh, from... <laughs> People have a lot of time. This, yeah, people have a lot of time. I mean, yeah. it is fun. It is fun to go down that it rabbit hole. It is fun, but, yeah. But, I, you know, I've seen those conspiracy theories, I will say. Like, oh, there's a dick in, in right. a castle. <laughs> right. You know, I've seen a goddamn castle like 10 times. There's no dick, okay? Just a stupid <laughs> pony thing at the top. Like Some people just see dicks everywhere, I well, guess. Well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, like, I I know that. Okay. I mean, we're it, this. we always mark these episodes explicit, so it's all good. That's um, great. That's but, great. Uh, <laughs> but, like, you know, at the end of The Little Mermaid, it seems... Um, pretty clear to me that the priest or whoever is marrying them is um excited <laughs> i will say yes uh i'm pretty yes. sure i remember that it's been a minute since i've watched yep. little mermaid but there was that going on i know that there's like some weird whisper in aladdin oh where it's like teenagers take off your clothes or something like that Wait, what yes oh i know what you're referring yes, to it's like it's, some guy online like sped it up and put the sound even higher and that's like what what you can like make out of it i mean yeah like maybe oh. also I mean, it's like <laughs> you go in a haunted house and you hear like sure like like what yes. is that you know yes <laughs> and i mean here's you know we'll, we'll don't worry we'll get back on track folks with little shop of yes, Horse, yes, but I, will. I will say that like at the time you know the animators like that's like a slog as, as much as they might love their work it's long days long nights yeah sometimes tedious to do that and so from what i've kind of in the you know whatever culture have picked up on they did little things sometimes just to amuse themselves sure you know what if so yeah it's fine it's all yeah, good it's folks. fine i'll give yeah. them that like we all have nine to fives like, yeah we understand if you want to write dicks in a children's <laughs> film like that's fine <laughs> That's fine. That's just, what you want yeah, to do. I, just, I love the the thought of some guy like, hey, hey, or some, wh- some or person. woman who, yeah, you know, you don't hey, know. Check this yeah. out. Check this out. I'm gonna I'm gonna add a dick in here. They're like, do it, do it. Yeah, Bruh. I can completely. Yeah, I can totally see that happening. So it's it's all whatever. Okay, little shop of horrors. Little shop of horrors. <laughs> Where now, there are no dicks that I'm aware of, except Steve Martin. No, it's actually Steve. <laughs> Let's talk about him. Well, look, we'll Ooh. we'll cover all the main players. Yeah. But um, in terms of walking this line Ooh. of yeah. yeah, of comedy <laughs> and dark humor and what a hilarious abuser. Yeah, and yeah. domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. How well do you feel like they pulled that off? And was it like critical for them to have someone like Steve Martin, who was at that time already very well known as like mm. a comedic actor, to play that type of character. He had to die. Yeah. He had to die. He had to die. You of said it. You yeah. said it. You know, I think they nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. 
from start to finish. So first she's, you know, she has all those shiners. Yeah. I have all the shiners. Oh, oh good voice. job. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I know. That's that actually, I will say I only have one criticism. That goddamn voice. Like, yeah. no. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I love her. Um, <laughs> so like when she would sing, I'm like, oh. Oh, no, she's a phenomenal yeah. singer. Yeah. When they let her go, when you know. Yeah. But belting it out next to Rick yeah. Moranis. I'm like, I know. Oh, poor Rick man. Moranis. I'm like, I you're know. not a singer, are you? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, to, we are in full agreement. The the speaking voices is, oh. is yes. I just don't know why they just it never ended. I was like, oh, maybe you know, as sh- the story develops, she'll be less annoying. Never happened, but never happened. So she yeah, so she has all these shyness, and then uh, you know she has all this like uh, like awful awful stuff that come. She's coming in every day with these bruises. And you, you have an image of this person in your head. You hate that guy. You think, like, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was like, oh, if it's some weird abuser, maybe it's, like, some guy in a suit mm-hmm. who's, like, really fat and ugly and old and is doing this to her. And you already have an idea, like, oh, I hate that guy. In comes in Steve Martin. You already have a smile on your face. Mm-hmm. He's, like, this, like, doped up, like, a grease guy. Like, mm-hmm. and he's a dentist. It's hilarious. Like, you don't even... Like you hate, you don't even hate him, but when he dies, it feels satisfying, which like, how is that possible? How can I, I don't want him to die, but when he does, I'm like, oof, that was easy. And it's also funny. I I was, I was very impressed, like even to this day that it held up, I think at least, but I'd love to hear what you think. I hated his character, but the only thing that, that outweighed my hate for him was how much I loved him. Right. Because, you hated him for the reasons you should hate him. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I love that he was like an abusive Fonzie who became a dentist <laughs> and apparently had the power of flight because that scene when he just like, he literally flies in on the motorcycle and stops and hops off and lets it like. Derek very itself. much liked that scene. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, it's just the genius of making this like really evil guy a dentist. I just, mm-hmm. I just love that. I'm like, look, if you want a profession, you can just inflict pain. There yeah. you go. Yeah. We were sorry, saying it sorry, was dentist. like, like kind of a um, precursor to Dexter yeah. where <laughs> they found a job for Dexter so that he could like <laughs> yeah. be really good at what his like uh, dark tendencies. I mean, it was his mom telling him, you're going to be a dentist. You're going to be a dentist. Yeah. She knew how to rein that guy in. Yeah. Exactly. Like, well, and then when Bill Murray came no. in, it was just getting off. From that, uh, yeah, and Martin, Martin's yeah. like, "You're like, get out of here, get out of here, you <laughs> sicko." Yeah, and I, I was surprised. Like, yeah, I know it's not like this film is from the fifties; like, it's from the eighties. But like, it feels very like like HBO Euphoria, like mm, yeah, <laughs> like him getting off from that <laughs> the and like drug use. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm like this is so progressive and like no kink shaming here, Bill Murray. Like that's what you're into, you know. So I just I was so refreshing. I'm like this must have been copied like in every single way. I'm sure it was inf- like it's influenced a lot of like storylines that that Bill Mur- that Bill Murray thing. Well, that I mean that cameo in particular. I mean there are a couple <laughs> really great cameos. Uh, Murray is I think the most effective in his mm-hmm. cameo. I mean you have a number of amazing comedic actors in this film obviously moranis murray mm. martin we also have cameos from john candy and christopher mm. guest he's a, he is and, the best first customer oh yes great. Yeah. he's a great first customer and i think he's utilized pretty well john candy i feel could have been 
somehow elevated i felt mm. like for who we all know him to be um mm. that he there could have been more for him to do but yeah, in any I case agree. um murray was amazing and i think that i always am really interested in when you see something like that cuz while he is super funny i hadn't seen him in a role like that which no. does have no, I have not yeah like which is is kind of like I don't know how else to say this but off, an off-brand kind of comedy for him <laughs> and he did so good and he really embraced it as did Martin I think that's what I'm impressed <laughs> by is like you're representing characters that some people might raise an eyebrow at you know and they went for it he reminded me a little bit of like if the wild and crazy guy turned into a dentist. I could see that. Motorcycle. Yeah. Like that SNL yeah. character. I mean, Martin mm. in particular, that, that is a hard character to do because it's like, wait, I'm abusing my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and it's a comedy. And it's like, <laughs> how do I, how do I do this? And, and yes, you are supposed to be a hated character, but it's like, you certainly don't want it to seem like you are making fun of the fact that, Audrey's being abused. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why there's that line to walk. And, and I mean, I think they were making fun of it with um Mr. Mr. Mushnick's character. Yeah. When he just <laughs> kept repeatedly saying, like, I don't want to say anything. I'm just saying might not be a good guy. I actually <laughs> thought that that was kind of endearing. I had a different take on it. Yeah. Like oh. I I thought that I mean, and I'm curious, you know, Sonia, what you thought mm. of of lines like that, because I think that that was showing a level of care, you know, like he's like kind of minding his business yeah, because that's probably what he was raised to do. But he is like stepping out and saying like, I mean, he's, he was telling her pretty, I think clearly like dump this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He was kind of like almost like a father figure in the mm -hmm. beginning too. Mm -hmm. And I, that line, you know what? I'm beginning to think he might not be such a good guy. It's (laughs) Mm -hmm. hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. Um, and then, which was also a bummer at the very end that he turned very greedy and he's like, all right, Seymour, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, that was your downfall, buddy. Um, that was a bit disappointing. Um, but you know, it was, again, you know, it, it's astounding just like how unproblematic Steve Martin as a, as a wife beater was like, right. He was an unproblematic character in a weird way. Cause I yeah. think also, cause they added, I mean, it's a parody as well. It's very, like, tongue-in-cheek. And I think the fact that, like, even there's that scene where it's the shadows of him and Audrey and they're, like, by a window. And he's, like, very cartoonishly, like, slapping her. And you can tell it's stage acting. Like, you can tell something for a second that the actress even had a hand on her because it's so over-the-top and ridiculous. So I think that also helps, too. Your point about the the way that they staged the one time where we I think I think it's the only time we see and we don't even really see because it yes. is behind a window implied violence yeah I mean yeah. it's clear he's slapping her but yes it's so over the top and I think that obviously these were all really deliberate choices I'm for for the fact that yeah we're following a story where there is a plot line of domestic abuse I'm glad that the filmmakers were being what seems to be very conscientious so that it doesn't seem like that is that is part of the comedy. That is the one element in the movie where it's like, we're not making fun of this, but this is also mm. setting up why this yeah. guy has to go. Yeah, you got to make sure. it. And, you, yeah. you, you have to make him an unsympathetic character exactly. so that when he is literally fed to a plant, you're, yeah. not, you're not too 
upset about it. Honestly, the most disturbing scene with that character for me was by far the scene that's shot from inside the mouth. The, yeah. Oh God. That's like Jaws, but on steroids. Like so, somehow <laughs> being eaten alive by a shark is less intimidating than what I saw with that point of view shot from that guy's mouth yeah. in the dentist's office. <laughs> well, that, so they were all like dancing. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so messed up. Oh, and I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause we're definitely going to bring up the Greek chorus, but, um, Ooh. cause they're phenomenal. Mm. But, that is one thing that I really loved about this movie. I don't – well, I'm trying to think. Okay, so I don't – well, Sonia, you tell me. Would you in any way categorize this as, like, part horror? How would you categorize this? Uh, maybe at the time, but yeah. no. Like, yeah. I'm not, I, I, seriously, the only scary scenes were the dentist scenes, if anything, <laughs> just because, like, don't touch my mouth. Right. Um, <laughs> but, the, I mean, the plan's hilarious. Like, there's nothing scary about him. He's just a fun-loving, music-loving space alien, you know? I agree with you. I, I think that – I don't think I would lean into horror. But that being said, to both of your points, there were several times where I was, like, squirming in my seat because of just like visually there are really kind of like it, like i i think part of it is i have a thing with blood yeah you didn't even like when he was like yeah. he was getting a few drops into uh, oh, that, okay. yeah. yeah i don't like faint or anything it's not like that but like when seymour was like feeding his own blood to to audrey too i was like ah, you know and i look away so i just i but i love that about mm. the movie, I think that that like heightens it. But to your point, yeah, we can. I mean, because I think it's a little bit the elephant in the room. Audrey too. Like, we should totally talk oh, about well, this okay. character. And I would, <laughs> I just have to at least flag this. Sure. How much Audrey too reminded me of Oogie Boogie from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, totally. Yeah. And See, yet another Disney connection. Just keeps yes. coming back. Keeps yeah. influencing everything. Yeah. I just I had to keep on searching to see if Ken Page, the voice of Oogie Boogie, was also the voice of Audrey Two, and it's not for this movie. But I think he has done that in like maybe some onstage performances, mm -hmm. which makes sense. But yeah, mm -hmm. it was it was crazy. I refuse to believe that there's not some inspiration for Oogie Boogie based on Audrey Two. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there is. That's why I see this movie. It just like was the birth of so many like references seem to come in various ways that you can't even like track. It just like. It just seeped into so much of what we saw afterwards, too, mm -hmm. which is why we love it. So, Absolutely. yes, the plant. Uh, we love Audrey, too. <laughs> we do. We do. We As do. voiced by Levi Stubbs of The Ooh. Four Tops. Yeah. Um, definitely want to give due diligence in bringing him up. And so for you, Sonia, you know, is 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 Audrey, too, the star even ahead of Seymour? Or how, how did you feel about the inclusion and the way that it was performed? By stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Just so fun. I mean, yeah, it's the, it's the, as Howard Ashman said himself, it's the gimmick that brings the whole thing together. Mm -hmm. It's just so funny. Like, there's just something that will always inherently be funny about like inanimate objects that shouldn't talk that do talk. And especially mm -hmm. ones that like have an attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like giving you the business. Very sassy. Um, <laughs> yeah, very sassy. Yeah. I, yeah, I think Audrey 2 is the star. I mean, no one else commanded a stage like Audrey too did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's the he, they, they're, you know, it's the thing that brings the Plant whole thing pronouns. together. Plant pronouns. <laughs> bioluminescence. <laughs> well, and that is, you know, um, 
in regards to like what we were talking about earlier in terms of like the creative team, um, for sure. I'm, I'm so glad that you gave, uh, the proper credit to Ashman for, mm. for this film. I think maybe that is where Frank Osmore comes into play um, yeah. because of the, the actual logistics of, yes. of working with Audrey too. And so I think that that to me was like just super impressive. I still am always like, I love practical effects. Um, I love, I mean, there's so much reliance and I'm really like kind of racking my brain. Like what would they have done if they mm. did have access to like CGI back then? It, I think it's like kind of the same as like, I don't know. Sonia, are you a Star Wars fan? It's okay if you're not, or if you are, it doesn't matter either way. Mm. Um, I will answer this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm okay. It's one of those franchises where, yeah, I saw when I was a kid, I can list you pretty much every reference. I can tell you the characters. Have I seen any of the films start to finish in the last however many years of my life? No. Okay. Uh, will I someday? Sure. Am I going to watch it by myself? No. I should watch it with a group of friends. So sue me, okay? Uh, but yeah, it's, a great- <laughs> <laughs> it's a great franchise, though. We love it. <laughs> we do love it. And the reason why I bring it up is... It, the I, the I wasn't- practical effects, right? Yeah. I wasn't yeah. like trying to bring in something that was like so connected to Frank Oz himself. But <laughs> if you look at old Yoda... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And He's not who- doing like triple flips. Exactly. Yeah. Old Yoda, practical effect... Versus new Yoda. So are you saying that if they had used CGI for Audrey 2, Audrey 2 would have been doing backflips? I just think it would have (laughs) inherently taken away from just, I don't know, like there's something obviously tactile. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm. So I think, and I know that um, I did some reading about how they had to kind of play with uh, the speed of the filming with like the scenes where Mm, Moranis was actually in the scene with mm. the creature so that it could look that they can make it work. Yeah. Um, and just like the weight <laughs> of Audrey too. Like there's a, there was a lot to be considered in like using this. And I'm so glad that they like did the work because mm. it, it paid off. Um, and I love Audrey too. And yeah, to your, I love uh, Sonia when you said that Audrey too gives them the business. <laughs> I love that line so much. Cause it's, it's so appropriate. It's crazy that like a giant, space alien plant can give me the equivalent of like hands on the hips yeah talking oh, down to yeah. Someone <laughs> with like uh the vines there was a lot of like weird creepy vine action going on yes yes there was um i don't know again you know not to like just bring into the fold all these other filmmakers <laughs> but um i was telling derek when we were watching it last night it felt very raimi-esque like the evil dead um Mm. i'm not sure how familiar you are with that franchise but there's not at all yeah not at all there's a pretty iconic scene (laughs) it's awful Uh, he he regrets even doing it that's how bad it was yeah so this uh, this obviously never went anywhere near there but i've been so like scarred from that yes (laughs) essentially um how do i put this there is a scene where a female character um is essentially like sexually assaulted raped by a possessed mm. tree. By a possessed tree. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah. It's uh, it's real bad. But like <laughs> so, I said, I've been so heavily uh, yeah. injured by that, by scarred by that, that when I saw Audrey and uh, the the vines, Audrey and Audrey too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, oh, oh no, not again, no. Yeah, there's. No, a, no. I mean, I think that there's meant to be menace. Yeah. 
No, they they did it well. Yeah. They, yeah, they did it well. And yeah, I mean, it's funny that, you know, we talk about kind of on the other side of things, the Steve Martin character and his own type of menace and the way that we all responded to him getting or I mean, essentially, he kind of killed himself. He didn't. Mm, nobody killed true. him. He killed himself. He didn't Very get shot. True. Up. Yeah. yeah. But in contrast, Audrey 2 being arguably a much bigger threat, mm-hmm. uh, world domination and such. And we love this plan. Yeah. How come I like the plan that's going to ruin my planet more than like yeah. just some random dentist? Like, yeah. I generally love that plan. Like, I'd yep. love to have a drink with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the plan is just so sassy. It's like, it'll just be a good time. It's, it, it will be a good time. Yeah. Maybe it's the sass. Maybe that. Maybe it's the sass. The sass. But <laughs> I. Well, I, I yeah. said something interesting earlier with the practical effects. So. Yeah, let's say Audrey 2 uh, was with the Avatar technology, sure. like CGI. <laughs> Wouldn't be as funny. It would just no. seem too real. You know, that's what they did with that awful Cats movie. Like, oh, that's what God. happens when you take a stage play that's supposed to be people wearing, like, just fuzzy cat suits. Mm-hmm. And you make them these weird, like, cat-humanoid hybrids. It's so creepy. So, yeah, I mean, if the plant looked real, then I think then it would be more horror. It would lean into the more horror Perhaps, but the fact that it's a cute little like, or mm-hmm. it's just like you pretty. can tell it's a prop. Audrey it's just funny. very pretty. Like very I think it's pretty. like a really beautiful plant. <laughs> it really is. Like you can tell there was a whole art department behind. Yeah, that even the mouth, like the purple yes. insides of of the mouth, like just cute. Like, yes, want, really exciting with this really thing. Well done. <laughs> and I think you, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought up the cats comparison Oof, because yeah. I think you're completely spot on. I mean, I know it's easy to, to diss cats, um, but you have a very valid point in terms of, you know, first of all, we're comparing two musicals. So I like the comparison between yeah. the two musicals, but then also, yeah, what they did in terms of the CGI and, yeah. Taking away essentially, I mean, look, Cats is worldwide a hugely successful and beloved musical, and people have a certain expectation. I guess this kind of circles back to, in a way, what we were talking about in terms of like giving fans what they want. Mm. But I think it. No one wanted that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no it, like they didn't. They didn't give fans what they wanted. I think the fans would have been more accepting if they had had these individuals in just cat costumes. I yeah. never knew how much I didn't want a cat version <laughs> of Rebel Wilson with a bunch oh. of dancing CGI cockroaches. I didn't, oh. I didn't want that. There you go. And I couldn't escape yeah. it. I had yeah. to, I I was I watched that movie from start to finish, and I oh, could not. God. I couldn't I'm just it. traumatized by the trailers. So I can't imagine like how much therapy <laughs> you've been through. The first 30 seconds of the movie, and disclosure, I saw a screener of it before it released, and within mm. the first 30 seconds, I knew that I had made a bad, grave mistake. A grave, a grave mistake. mistake. <laughs> you could never turn back. Your life would never be the same. Uh, yeah. What's yeah. more traumatizing, the girl being raped by the tree or Reverend oh, Wilson with the Excellent with the question. Uh, it's a tie. It's t- oh my <laughs> God. That's a, yeah. that's a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the tree is no problem. Sure, sure. sure. Um, I mean, and, and, and it's a shame because they did bring in incredible talent yeah. for, mm. for that movie. So it's just a shame that it kind of turned out that way. But speaking of incredible talent, we've Ooh. kind of circled around him and i wanted to talk about 
Rick Moranis. Of course. Uh, Seymour himself. Suddenly Seymour. Suddenly Seymour. Good job. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I was hoping you guys were going to like sing along. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't, though, because we neither of us. <laughs> I would be the Patrick Martin character walking in saying, guys, guys, can you please just stop singing for one second? <laughs> <laughs> just we I, I have tried sometimes as a clue to um, the next episode singing something to Derek and it's it's not good. I, I accept I that mean, I don't tough. have. You got you got no warm up. You're just, you're just <laughs> well, coming thanks. in cold. Like, you know, I appreciate that. But I mean, that's why that was all the more impressive yeah. because that was really well done. So oh, thanks. <laughs> of course. Sonia, how do you feel about Rick Moranis and kind of being the center of this film. Am I attracted to him? Yes. Okay. Okay. You don't have to beat around the bush here. Um, I don't know. There were moments where he was just like this endearing little dweeb. And I was like, ooh, like, take care of me. Like, it was like, I'm not even being abused and I want him to save me. You know? It was so... He was very endearing. I mean, kind of annoying at times, though. It's just sure. like, ugh, gra- get a grip. I just can't stand it when people, like, don't have a backbone. Yeah. So that was kind of annoying. Um, but you know what? The thing with his, I guess I'm going more into the character. I mean, the performance, what can I say? He's he's lovable. We mm-hmm. Just, he's the face of it. He, no one else could have been Seymour in this movie. No one else. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing with the character, which I like, yeah, he was feeding some bodies to, to Audrey, too, but there was no character assassination. It's like we sure. were still rooting for him every step of the way, which ties back into like, well, those people like weren't the best anyway, you know? Um, so he just like, but it's funny. Like, I feel like not every actor can do that where you're responsible for like, like feeding dead mm-hmm. human bodies to something and mm-hmm. still be lovable. But he just like was, he was just so endearing. And I'm like, dude, kill whoever you want. Like, it's not a problem. <laughs> That's fine. Just do what you need to do. <laughs> Totally agree. I mean, before seeing this movie, how familiar were you with his work? Had you seen him in other things? Did you like him in other things? Yeah, well, you know, he's been in a lot of those films that you see as a kid. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, he's just the, the lovable, like, he's played, I think he's played some dads before. Yep. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's like what I know him as. Like, oh, the friendly, like, dad that, like, is in some Honey, movie I that's the on kids, TV yeah. on a weekend. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of the extent to my opinion of him. I mean, he's he's a really interesting figure. Um, you know, I think he is a little bit I, I know that there's like a sequel to Honey I Shrunk the Kids in like pre-production right now that he's attached to. Oh, really? Yeah. He, you know, I he did step away from entertainment for a while. Um, his wife passed mm. and he was suddenly a single dad. Oh. And so he I, I respect the hell out of him because he was like at the top of his stardom and he, you know, said, I I need to be a dad. Love and, that. Yeah. yeah. That's and like a legitimately good guy. Yes. Yes. Mm. Which he I seems like a super good guy. And, um, you know, you have to respect those choices. I mean, it's sucks for us as like entertainment lovers because there are probably other roles he could have been really awesome in and now mm. that we're kind of 20 years I think down the line from when he did step away his his children are adults and so maybe that's why he feels comfortable coming back and um I hope we definitely get to see him in some fun stuff but he's an interesting uh actor because in terms of looking at his work prior to stepping away we've talked a little bit about you know, those actors where they can really just be chameleons and like 
do whatever. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, I think Ed Norton's a good example of that. Ed sure, Norton can yeah. kind of be whatever you ask him to be. Mm. And then there are the actors who the character actors yeah and they They kind of bring the same exactly (laughs) so does that does that matter to you like in terms of looking at moranis's other work you know Mm. this is very similar to him and ghostbusters you know for instance (laughs) yeah um and and when you look at his body of work does it does it matter to you sonia that like this Mm. is just another version of what he's done before I feel like this is like one of those philosophical questions. Like, yeah. Art and the artist. We're getting like, deep. You know, yeah, we're getting <laughs> deep, right? You know, the older I get, guys, the older I get, the more, I, I don't know, if something it just works in the moment, mm-hmm. I don't I don't give a shit what, yeah. like, what led you to there. I, you know, I just, I care less about most things that I used to. This is very, like, I'm diving deep. I'm sure this applies to a lot of different things that are going on in my brain at the moment sure. but yeah short answer no if it works it works mm-hmm. like done like um i'm trying to think of other character actors like aubrey plaza i don't know why she just popped into my yeah, mind like, no that's a great if one you, if you need your dry sarcastic just like blank face that's gonna pierce into your soul as she says a comedic line like mm-hmm. she's your girl like that mm-hmm. you don't have to Adam you know not everyone mm-hmm. can be a jared leto you know like right. a, a method actor uh, though he like annoys me too but um <laughs> yeah yeah he's, kinda, just like, he's a little cray cray i know gosh that him and house of gucci anyway that's i mean look discussion. at the range look at the range for rick moranis when he is one of the mckenzie brothers in strange brew <laughs> which is a great movie versus great little movie. shop of horrors i mean it's like different people i mean he's a drunk version of himself in strange brew are you familiar with strange brew sonia no sorry. that's okay it's okay um you might enjoy it it's, it's, such a weird it's canadian movie. um yeah. uh you know and it's about these two brothers who um they uncover an evil plot of yeah, world domination. It's actually it, it is the most bizarre thing because it's actually based on Hamlet. Um, if you can believe it. So it's based on Shakespeare, but it's these two idiot brothers who really just love hockey and want to drink beer. And love it. Yeah. And they get themselves involved with this whole Machiavellian Hamlet kind of situation. And and it's the stupidest movie, but I I love it. It and features a flying dog at one point, I believe, and also the main villain is Max von Sydow. Yeah, it, it's like crazy. Some of the people in it. In any case, yes. Um, and that's, that's, that's like, the biggest uh, difference I can see. And, but, but exactly. Yeah, no, no, it's like a good point. Kind of, yeah. it's a good point because yeah, that probably is as far from the rest of his characters that. I can think of off the top of my head. But yeah, I mean, I think the the real kind of short and sweet way you put it, Sonia, if it works, it works. Mm. Um, I think applies here. And well, what do you think? How are you on like the actor's career and how well they can transform? Yeah. I you mean, feel like it's almost easier for them, so it's like, yeah, you put less work into it, or you know, I I think that um, actually sometimes I appreciate more when an actor brings to the table something familiar mm. because they know what's beloved and and they know what they're good at. I mean, you know, we brought up Ed Norton. We brought up Jared Leto. Not at all. Obviously, they're incredibly gifted actors, but I've also heard stories about how they get a little high on themselves. 
Um, yeah, see, that annoys me. Yes. And then it makes me like them less when I see them on the screen. Yes. <laughs> and and as much as, like, you can pull out an incredible performance, like, get over yourself, man. You know, like, I... But then that being said, I really respect actors as a whole because it is so hard. I mean, it's hard to be in any part of this business. Mm-hmm. But especially actors, just the rejection, the rejection and like what could be the most trivial thing? I didn't like your nose or I didn't like your whatever. You're too yeah. short, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really respect these people who just stay at it. So I don't know, Derek, do you have an, uh, I think if it, if it works and you like those characteristics, then maybe you see like an upcoming movie with that actor and you're, and you think, Oh, I really, I really like that actor. I, I have a kind of an idea of how they're gonna like play this because mm. I've seen all these other movies and and I like that. And there's like some like you know what to level. expect. You're yeah. not gonna yeah. be shocked by what you witness. Yeah. Yeah. Versus like, hmm, I, I don't know about Jared Leto, but I hear he's gonna be the Joker. Maybe I'll give this oh, a God. shot, and then <laughs> yeah. and then maybe I'll just get hurt all over again. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so good. And then you have then this like, I think, third category, which sorry, folks, we're going down a rabbit hole. But (laughs) the person I'm thinking of is Tom Cruise, because he's (laughs) not playing the same character in his different movies, but he's still Tom Cruise. Well, that's what happens when you're just too famous. Yeah. 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 At that point, it's not even you're watching a movie. You're you're just watching their face and you're like, I know that face. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I actually don't like watching things with like. Every time, like, you know, we love Angelina Jolie as much sure. as the next guy, but, like, yeah, if she's in a Marvel film, that's not, I don't know what you're playing, you're Angelina Jolie. Like, right. That's just what yeah. it's, that's what that is. Yes. So I don't actually, I don't really like films with big casts, personally. Yeah. Um, um, Tom Cruise, I think that's an excellent point with Angelina Jolie. I kind of feel that way about Brad Pitt, although he can be a really wonderful character yeah, actor. Yeah, Brad Pitt mm-hmm. has He's done, a weird, yeah. weird example yeah an interesting one is like uh arnold schwarzenegger as he went from the terminator (laughs) as the governor of california he's like that was a weird role for him and he's been danny devito's twin yeah that's true you know i was just uh and then okay we're gonna get back to a little shop of horrors but i will say that Mm. i listened to um a podcast that he was on and I guess that uh, Arnold Ito, everybody knew him from Terminator, Predator, Commando, all those types of same Conan, same Conan roles. Movies, Conan, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he really wanted to do comedy. And, oh, uh, you know, Ivan. Danny DeVito. <laughs> exactly. And Ivan Reitman, who, you know, just recently passed, um, comedic mm-hmm. great, writer, director, producer. And they got to talking and... So they ultimately collaborated on twins. And I don't think the studio was all too confident (laughs) that it was going to do well because he wasn't known for comedy. And Mm. so they created this back deal like where they got paid nothing up front for this movie. And they're like, we're just going to take whatever we get on the back end, depending Mm. on how well it does. And he said that to this day. It is his most successful movie <laughs> because of that. Um, and he's like, it's really nice. I still get those residuals. <laughs> and I was like, well, good for you, Arnold. Um, he's doing okay. He's, he's doing always, okay. It's always, those, it's always those films that, like, the ones that, like, you're an idiot for doing this. And then right. it's the one, like, paying your kids tuition. You know? Exactly. Exactly. I, I say that because his son went to USC with me. So that's. Oh, all right. were you actually in the same class? 
No, we never met. Okay. I use it as a bragging right. (laughs) No, no, that's, that is, that is certainly legitimate and uh, enough on its own, but oh, that's so interesting. I I guess my long, my long way of answering that question was (laughs) if I, if they play kind of the same role in every movie, but I like it, then I like it. Then you like it. And if it's, if it's like Adam Sandler doing the same thing, I like it at first, but after a while, I'm like, well, I don't know if I need to see Cajun Man again. Sure, <laughs> sure. Sometimes it goes a little too but far. Even, even he, but he like, has a brand. He has a brand uh, of what branched out a little bit with like he tries punch yeah. drunk love, which is a weird movie. Yeah. What was the more um, Sonia? What was that more recent one that he... uncut gems? Yes. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, good. good AKA pull. the movie that Julia Fox was the muse for. Oh, with John Safdie. Okay, no, I'm just making fun of. She just had this like podcast, like the girl that played his girlfriend in it. Okay, she was like, yeah, I was definitely Josh Safdie's muse when he wrote the film, <laughs> and it's like it's now a meme. We're like, uh, we're all Josh Josh Safdie's muse. Like, calm down. Which um, that like <laughs> circles into what we were saying about sometimes people get in a little a little drunk on their own whatever yeah, you know like, calm down yeah calm lines, down please relax, <laughs> relax. okay so <laughs> this has been just a truly fantastic conversation and <laughs> and before we wrap up the one thing and we again we've like kind of tiptoed around it but i just wanted to know your thoughts on the love story and somewhere that's green guys yeah yeah um, I, you know, for me, it's just the song that ties it in, like in a world where Seymour and, and, and Audrey, like it's the same scenes, but without that one song, it would mm-hmm. mean nothing to me. I'd be like, okay, yeah, whatever. But that daydream she has mm-hmm. somewhere that's green, like, you know, like the daydream mm-hmm. she has where, um, well, actually I will say this, another Howard Ashman infusion I'll put in here. Sure. Um, so this this musical is a parody on like the all american musical and usually there's a a part in the in in the show that the female character sings about what they want so for like eliza doolittle you know she's uh it would be lovely or Mm -hmm. you know you have well later uh howard coined it it's the the i want song Mm -hmm. but with this one the joke is that uh audrey's i want song she just wants like a toaster and like a nice kitchen and like wants like the most like basic like simple things like she's not even dreaming like that big but that like is what makes it endearing Mm -hmm. and that fantasy sequence with them together and she's like he's father he knows best and she's fantasizing about their kids together for me that is like the pinnacle of that romance and Mm -hmm. that song is what makes their characters formula especially hers and i and i relate to it it's like who can you know who can't help like daydream about a crush and like fantasize about what it would be like to like mm-hmm. start a family you know and on a farm in vermont or something yeah you know? so yeah to answer your question the romance is cool because of that one song and i love that song and i love the reference of family guy <laughs> in that song <laughs> with the pedophile um <laughs> I so that's, no, that's my answer. Yeah, I think that's really well said, and that's why when a musical works, it h- truly helps to inform. You know, it, it, I mean, the point of like the songs is to be able to relate, like usually a character's internal state, um, mm-hmm. and and be able to give the audience a little clue as to what they're feeling. And I think that all the songs do really well in that. And so I totally agree with you. I think that for me. 
the one moment where I was like, oh, I love them together is mm. towards the end when Audrey finally realizes like what is actually going on with mm. Audrey too. And Seymour says something to the effect of her like, well, I didn't say anything because I didn't know if you would like still like me. You know, and she's like, I would love, like, I love you. I don't yeah. just like Aww. like you. I love you. And the way she said that with like just the emphasis on like, I love you. I, mm. I don't know. That got me. I don't usually that get was the moment. Yeah. yeah I don't like moment. get got in these types oh. of movies usually, but that got me. I like that moment. And honestly, I, I think I needed the music. Mm hmm to take me away from her regular speaking voice in this movie. <laughs> I know. So that, that helped. That helped. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, otherwise I'm like, nope. But, but once they, yeah, that yeah. you're right to that point. If her voice wasn't so annoying, maybe I would root for the romance more. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's always interesting when there's like a choice made, <laughs> There was, uh, you know, there for was. that. And I mean, when, the first time I saw this, obviously that like I clocked that right away. I don't know how you don't. Mm -hmm. And my thought was, okay, maybe this choice is being made because you want her to come across as just the most sweetest, most innocent being so that you are rooting both for Martin to get his due, but mm -hmm. then also rooting for her and Seymour to get together. So yeah. that's the best way I can justify it if I'm going to try it all. Um, <laughs> it was a good, yeah, it was a good attempt. Thank like, you. You did it well. Yeah. <laughs> you did it well. <laughs> well, on that note, um, Sonia, this is honestly, like, obviously we've been laughing so much and <laughs> it's just been so, so fun to talk about this movie with you. So thank you. Uh, for thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No, seriously, I, I know that sounded like weirdly no, like sarcastic. I'm like, no. no, seriously, thank you. Like, this is so fun. <laughs> We've had a great time. And I was just curious. Um, you know, we are very fortunate because we get to have a lot of really awesome creative people on the show. And mm -hmm. I was wondering if there was anything, any projects going on that you wanted to share with our listeners. You know, I will one day, I will share everything I've ever done one day. But for now, uh, I did wrap another short film, which is yet to be released. So, okay. Uh, TBD. Festival and circuit, I'm, I'm assuming, coming festival, up. Festival, yeah. yeah. Looking at the festival circuit. And then I want to move to New York. So uh, pray for me that I yes. get to New York. <laughs> no, I mean. We will do so. <laughs> I I did have the distinct pleasure, like I mentioned when you mm. were getting introduced, of seeing one of your amazing films called Home Entertainment. Oh, and thanks. that's when I was like, this is really amazing. Who <laughs> is the person behind this? And I know that it was a joint effort, but um, I was mm. very lucky to get to meet you through it. Yeah. And, and, and likewise, for she oh, had it coming. Thank likewise. you. Likewise, yeah. But this is, um, you know, part of the reason why film festivals can be so cool because you get to meet really interesting, talented filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And so just like best wishes with this upcoming project and getting it out there because I know firsthand like how talented you are. And so oh, I just gosh. want other people truly and yeah, I want other people oh, to my, see that. My heart. Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, and you know, and obviously like feeling is very mutual. I love you guys. Love you. Sonia, what an amazing guest she was. was Thank awesome. you. Thank yeah, you. she's so fun. I love her. Okay. Hey, Derek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would you watch this film again? 
I I probably I probably would. I mean, I I literally hadn't seen it before. Like I I was aware of it and had seen like clips, but it just wasn't something that I was real interested in watching. But I really enjoyed it. So it might not be something where I like go way out of my way. One of those where I'm not gonna like really go out of my way to watch it. But if it was on, I would not change the channel. Okay. Yeah. I what I okay so. I think we've made this clear at this point, but we watched The Virgin. What? <laughs> the Virgin. What were you watching? The Virgin that came out in 1986. Uh-huh. We did separately watch footage of what was apparently supposed to be the original ending. Yes. But we have not watched the director's cut. So I would be interested in seeing the director's cut because I want to know if other changes were made outside of the ending. Yeah. I'm really curious to see if other things were tweaked to more solidly build to what that ending was. And I think we we, we might have actually done that, except when you rent Little Shop of Horrors through Apple, you only get the original theatrical, and the only way to get the director's cut is to separately purchase the movie mm. through through iTunes through the Apple Store. So, yeah, I think that would be interesting to see. Thanks so a I'd lot, like to, Apple. Yeah, thanks, Apple. Okay, call to action. So this isn't here. Here's what I'm thinking. This okay. isn't like so specific to the movie, but at this point. There, there just have been a lot of projects made where either the film came first and then they did a musical off of it, like Dirty Dancing, mm-hmm. or like this, where there was a musical and then they did a film based mm-hmm. on the musical. Can you think of any other musicals that were turned into films <laughs> recently, within the last few years, that maybe weren't as successful as, as people may have hoped? So that's, that's I, my call to action. If you can no, identify you them. Can't, you can't uh, take my call to action. Was that your call to action? Well, okay, not necessarily like the unsuccessful part of it. I just was curious if people have... And, okay, so just disclosure, you're talking about cats. I didn't say that. Anyway, so I'm I'm just curious if people have any thoughts about like, was there a movie that was made from a musical or a movie that was made into a musical where you think... It either was like a disastrous like inspiration from the other or that it did really well. I mean, I think Little Shop of Horrors, the movie, did yeah. really well. And of course, you were joking about cats, but of course I was talking about West Side Story. Oh, Derek. What? Wait, but you were saying unsuccessful, right? Did, did I say that? I thought you did. We'll have I to made, roll, roll back the tape. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like nominated, I think, for seven Oscars. It's doing okay. And and that and that's interesting, too, because then that's a remake of the original musical film. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Remakes on remakes on remakes. You can get in touch with us through social. <laughs> uh, Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, same handle for all three at 80s Montage Pod. 80s is 80s. Yeah. Oh boy. What's coming up next? I think you know. I think you know which one is coming up next. Okay, look, full disclosure, I know what's coming up next because we're literally going to talk to our (laughs) guest about what's coming up next in eight minutes. (laughs) And it is Weird Al's UHF. 
right? Yes. Okay. Correct. Like, oh my God. I hope that's what it is. Correct. You're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, we will. We will have stuff to talk about. <laughs> that movie too. So thank you so much for hanging with us. We really appreciate given how many other podcasts there are out there that you're sticking with us. Uh, take care and we will see you in two weeks time. <laughs>